0: Welcome to Kenmar, and thank you for joining us in worship. Here in Romans 8, Paul introduces us to another metaphor with which he describes the new relationship of Christians to God when we are led by the Spirit. He talks about Christians being adopted into the family of God. When we understand how serious and complicated the step adoption was in the Roman Empire, we will also understand the depth of meaning in this passage. People should see the image of God in us because the Spirit we received brought about our adoption. They should see the evidence of hope that we have because of Jesus Christ. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Thanks again for being with us. Our scripture reading for this Lord's Day is found in Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 25. Hear God's word. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about the adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved but hope is, that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they have already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it
1: patiently. Thank you, Bucky. Shall we pray? Bless, O oh Lord, the word that you have given to us today through the writings of the Apostle Paul. May that word be planted in our hearts, that it may grow and flourish and bear fruit for the sake of your kingdom. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Over the past several decades, I have been privileged to travel to some amazing places. I spent time in Cairo, about 14 years ago. It doesn't seem that long ago, but it's, time flies. And while in Cairo at the Central Market, I saw beggars wrapped in rags in that teeming city. Over 20 years ago, I took a tour of Israel that included bus stops in the West Bank where children were waiting for us to come uh, to our bus. And in order that they could wait for us and say dollar, dollar, dollars is what they were looking for from American tourists. And then more recently, I was in Edinburgh, Scotland, which is where my niece was studying. And when I visited her, we walked the streets of Edinburgh with all the well-fed, well-dressed, well-heeled vacationers in that lovely city. If I was given a choice between being a beggar in Cairo or being an orphan in the West Bank or being a vacationer in Edinburgh, uh, I'll admit the choice wouldn't be very difficult for me. I like to stay right where I am. I'd like to be where God has put me for the last 40 years. Because, like most people, I would prefer a life of fullness rather than uh, deprivation. A life of liberty rather than dependency. A life of meaning rather than a life of aimlessness. Living in the Spirit, says Paul, leads to all these things. Fullness, liberty, purpose, and hope. Here in Romans 8, Paul introduces us to a metaphor with which he describes the new relationship of Christians to God when led by the Spirit. He talks about Christians being adopted into the family of God. And when we understand what a serious and difficult step it was to be adopted in the Roman Empire, I think we have a greater appreciation of Paul's message. It was the patria potestas that made adoption so incredible and difficult in Paul's day. This was the father's power over his family. The absolute power of the father. Everything was at his disposal and control, uh, not only from the early days of his children's growing up, but even into adulthood, the father had power over ultimate power and absolute power. Obviously, this made adoption into another family a very, very difficult step. In adoption, a person had to pass from one patria potestas to another, not only socially, but legally. It is the consequences of adoption, however, what what the result is that Paul makes his, his most significant points. There are four things that I notice. The adopted person lost all their rights in the old family and gained all new rights in the new family as they were legitimately given and legally binding. Second, it follows that that adopted person became an heir to their father's estate. Even if sons were born after the adoption, uh, that did not discount the adopted person. They were still heirs and co-heirs with the other children. Third, by law, the old life of the adopted person was completely wiped out. Even debts were canceled that they may have had in their former life. They were regarded as a new person, entering a new life. And fourth, in the eyes of the law, uh, this adopted person absolutely became a new person person, having a new family. Roman history provides a really interesting case of how completely this held to be true. The emperor Claudius adopted Nero in order that he might exceed him, uh, succeed him to the throne. They weren't in any sense blood relatives, mind you. Claudius already had a daughter, Octavia, but to cement the alliance, Nero planned uh, to marry her, that was what her, fa- her father's wish was. Nero and Octavia were not blood relatives, so they could be married, even though it did require an action of the Roman Senate for this to take place. That is what Paul is thinking of when he uses the picture of adoption as it was a reality in the Roman Empire. He says that God's spirit witnesses with our spirit that we really are his children. The adoption ceremony in Rome was carried out in the presence of seven witnesses. The adoption ceremony for us to be adopted into God's family only takes one witness, the Holy Spirit of God living in us, indwelling us. The third person of the Trinity is the witness to our adoption. So we see that every step of Roman adoption was meaningful in Paul's mind when he transfers that image, that picture, to our adoption into the family of God. And then comes a wonderful saying in verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. The blazing truth that lit up Paul's life was that human situations are not hopeless, no matter how rough, no matter how difficult life is. Uh, H.G. Wells said, man who began in a cave behind a windbreak will end in the disease-soaked ruins of a slum. Not Paul. He was no pessimist. Paul, in fact, saw human sin and the state of the world, but he also saw God's redeeming power. And for Paul, the end of it all can be summarized with one little word. Hope. Hope. Because of hope, Paul says, life is not a state of permanent despair, waiting for the inevitable end of a world that is drowning in sin and death and decay. Life is an eager anticipation of our liberation, our renewal, our recreation brought about by the glory and power of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, the keystone of the Christian life is hope. We wait not for death, but we wait for life in this hope. Ron Walters, who was uh, with Word FM years ago, uh, wrote about being the son of his parents. Uh, He said, I took a climb through my family tree just to see who was there. I wasn't sure what I'd find, a butcher, a baker, a candlestick baron. Alas, no fortune was stashed in a safe deposit box. Oh, I found a horse thief or two, but not much else. I also discovered I'm Scottish, and one researcher claimed I'm a descendant of William Wallace of Braveheart fame. Ron says, if that's so, I just wished I looked a little more like Mel Gibson. (laughs) Looking through my parents' wedding album, he says, was like watching Lil' Labner and Daisy Mae get hitched. They made a handsome couple. Dad posed nicely in his bib overalls and a clean white t-shirt. My mom sported a lovely but strange hat and corsage, courtesy of a hillbilly taxidermist. What started as a honeymoon ended as a permanent move to San Diego. And not long after that, a couple had four little boys in tow. And I was the youngest. We lived in a modest two-bedroom, one-bath house. Since hand-me-down clothing was all we could afford, I was glad I didn't have any sisters. School taught us the three R's, but at home we learned Ozarkese. In other words, we learned dogs are not allowed to eat at the table, no matter how good their manners are. If I'm consi- it's considered tacky to take a cooler to church with you. Remember that. When cleaning your ears, it's impolite to use someone else's car keys. And even if you're sure to be included in the will, driving a U-Haul to the funeral is frowned on. Mm -hmm. But along with these lessons, Ron Walters said came strong family lessons. I can still hear my dad who was physically strong, yet vocally soft as he would pray at every meal and read scripture to our family. I was certain his voice was how God must sound. And it wasn't long before all four of us learned to love God, just as our parents did. Ron Walters was blessed with a great family that he came from. When I was a teenager, after my father died, I would hear people say to me, you're Chuck's boy, aren't you? And it made me proud to know that in some way, I reminded them of my father. That's also what it means to be a child of God. People should see God in us. They should see God's image when we interact with them. The spirit we received brought about our adoption, says Paul. They should see evidence of hope that we have because of our faith in Christ Jesus. For in this hope, We were saved, says Paul. Sometimes when I'm on YouTube, I get hooked into watching those videos of dogs that some kind person finds along the side of the road with a broken leg or another serious injury, and they scoop them up, and they take them to, to a veterinarian. And over the course of about 15 minutes of video, we see a neglected, forgotten, injured dog nursed back to health and then the best part the compassionate person who found them and brought them to the veterinarian they adopt them to be their own that is i mean watching those videos just makes me want to go to the animal shelter and adopt every lost neglected forgotten pet in need of a home but that's not humanly possible is it But what is humanly impossible is possible with God. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received brought about your adoption. How the adoption process works and exactly what the Spirit of God does to make us children of God is a mystery that I'm afraid we won't unravel until we reach heaven. But the wonder of the relationship can be enjoyed even though the mechanics of it may be hidden from our view. This delightful sense of wonder at the relationship we have with God is expressed best by words of loving appreciation that spring to our lips. And and first, when when I read this passage in Paul's letter, I think it sounds a little inappropriate. But in verse 15, he says that by the Spirit, we call God Abba. Translated, that's an Aramaic word left in its original form. Translated into English, Papa or Daddy is what we call God. And we can only do that through the Spirit. We can only then unashamedly and joyfully go to God with all of our hurts, all of our worries, all of our concerns, all that we need in this life, because we are God's children. Now, don't get the idea that adoption is all cotton candy and rides at at the amusement park, because Paul says in verse 15, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed with us, in us. I don't think Paul's claiming a high threshold of pain, or nor is he masochistic in any sense, but he's recognizing how the fallenness of the human race has led to all manner of disorder and abuse and destruction. So where does that leave us? We wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we are saved. For Paul, to be a Christian, is to share something that has happened, something that is happening, and something that will happen. In this hope, we adopted children, become part of God's forever family. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us. A video recording of this service can be found on YouTube or Facebook by searching for Kenmore Church.